Chapter Four of Captain Salt in Oz by Ruth Plumley Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four, Samuel's First Specimen. What do you make of that? Puffed Samuel Salt as Roger dropped breathlessly down on his shoulder. Well, hung, hung, why he it is. Let's give them a cheer for luck. Lifting his great voice, the royal discoverer of Oz, helped out by his two shipmates, sent the weird call booming back across the water. An answering call came from the island, and then, with a hiss and a thud, a small glowing object fell on the deck. Fortunately the fire-tongs were still handy, and picking up the offending object before it could do any damage, Atto marched sternly off to the galley. Stopping long enough for another wave to the island, which was growing smaller and smaller as the crescent moon sped away, Samuel hastened after his cook, jotting down hurried notes in his journal as to latitude and longitude as he ran along. "'There's something written on this piece of lava,' announced Atto, who had dropped the smoking souvenir from Lava Land on the stove. Peering over his shoulder, Samuel could see queer raised symbols and signs on the sulfurous surface of the rock. "'There's something crawling on it, too,' volunteered Roger, who was perched on the towel-rack above the stove and had a better view. "'A golden frog, or a lizard?' "'Merciful mustard! What next?' groaned Atto. "'Why, this, this—' Samuel's voice quivered with excitement and disbelief. "'This, mates, is as fine a specimen of a pre-Oztoric monster as a scientist could hope for. A real, live salamander, a fire-lizard, straight from the burning depths of yonder crater. Stars, tar, and terry-barrels. This is even better than the baby, and will prove my point just as well.' "'Does it have to live on my stove?' asked Atto, ominously, as the salamander slid merrily backward and forward over the red-hot plates of the range. "'Home on the range!' snickered Roger, winking at the pirate. "'Just till I can fix up a hot-box for it,' apologized Samuel. "'But don't fret, old Tuff. It doesn't bite, and if it falls on the floor all you have to do is scoop it up and put it back before it goes out.' Not only cook, mate, and swab, but now I'm nursemaid to a fire-lizard, Atto shuddered, and reaching for his tall cook's cap, jammed it down hard on his shiny bald head. You can keep it in an iron pot while you cook, suggested Roger practically. And after all, King dear, it's the only salamander in captivity. Here, Sally, here, Sal, this way, my little crater-critter. Tilting the pot on the back of the stove, Roger was delighted to find the salamander quite willing to answer to her new name. As she slid adventurously into the small cooking vessel, the reed-bird quickly righted the pot and clapped on the cover. "'There!' he exclaimed with a satisfied nod at his master. "'How's that?' "'Well, I suppose I'll have to put up with it,' sighed Atto resignedly. But in some ways pirating was easier than discovering Sammy. At least we never kept the captives on the stove. And now—Atto waved his arms determinedly—clear out, both of you. It's three bells and time to stir up the food. 
and just take that pesky rock along with you. I meet the broil. When this cools, maybe I'll be able to figure out the language, exulted Samuel, removing the offending piece of lava with a cake-turner. All in all, a most interesting and profitable day, eh, Roger? An island, a visit from a fire-baby, and a real live prehistoric monster. Not bad, agreed the reed-bird, transferring himself to the captain's shoulder. Depositing the piece of lava on an iron hatchway to cool, Samuel strode happily along the deck, stopping to light the red lamps on the port and green lights on the starboard. Roger himself had just hung a white light in the rigging when a lusty call from the galley sent him flying off to help Atto serve the dinner. "'What could be cozier than a life at sea?' he reflected winging jauntily into the main cabin with a dish of roast potatoes. Atto puffed cheerfully behind, bearing a huge tray. On the tray, a steaming tureen of soup, a pot of coffee, seven dishes of vegetables, and two of smoking meats sent up tantalizing whiffs and fragrances. Later, when the reed-bird brought in the pudding, he and Sammy soberly agreed it was the tastiest feast Atto had served on the voyage. The main cabin of the Crescent Moon, with its red leather couches under the ports, its easy chairs and tables clamped to the floor to keep them from shifting, with its ship's clock and ship's lanterns, was a cheery place to be when the day's work was ended. There was a huge fireplace for foggy evenings, and every visible space on the wall was covered with pictures of pirate ships, ancient sailing vessels, and rough maps and charts of strange and curious islands. While Samuel and Atto sat at their ease to finish off the pudding, Roger took his upon the wing, darting in and out between bites to assure himself that all was well on deck. There was a tiny crescent moon sliding down the sky, and the slap of waves against the side of the ship and the wind creaking in the cordage made as pleasant a tune as the heart of a seaman could wish for. "'Now what could be better than this?' said Samuel Salt, exhaling a cloud of smoke from his pipe and stretching his legs luxuriously under the long table. "'A tidy ship, a good wind, and the whole wide sea to sail on.' "'Suits me,' grinned Atto, scraping up the last of the hard sauce and settling back with a grunt of sheer content. "'Did you mark up our volcano on the chart, Sammy? And what are we calling it, mates?' An island must have a name, you know. I know. Samuel blew another cloud of smoke upward and cleared his throat. If it's agreeable to all hands, and Roger, I'd like to call it Salamander Island after Sally. Why not? There's a Sally and a galley and a real nice gal is Sally, warbled Roger, settling on the back of Samuel's chair and wagging his head in time to the music. Sing like a bird, don't ye? muttered Samuel, striding over to the map of Oz and surrounding countries and oceans that covered the west wall. "'I am a bird!' screamed Roger, fluttering up to his shoulder. "'Bout here she would lie, Master Salt, sixty leagues from Octagon Island.' As Roger talked on, making numerous suggestions, the captain of the Crescent Moon drew with red chalk a small but effective picture of Salamander Island, showing the volcano in action and the lava-land islanders grouped around the crater's top. 
taken this day without a shot or the loss of a single man printed samuel in neat letters under his sketch don't forget you shot the baby muttered roger raising a claw argumentatively oh we can't put in small details like that sniffed the captain stepping back to admire his drawing seems odd for us to be discovering and taking possession of islands for a country we know so little about mused atto looking thoughtfully at the map on the west wall why we've only been to oz once ourselves yes but everybody knows about oz samuel said putting the red chalk back in the table drawer our business is with wild new countries that have never been seen or heard of besides anyone can see that oz is overpopulated and needs new territories and seaports and since ozma is so clever at governing and her subjects all so happy and prosperous the more people who come under her rule the better ay ay agreed roger peering with deep interest at the map small wonder the reed bird was interested for oz is one of the most exciting and enchanting countries ever discovered there are four large kingdoms in ozma's realm the northern land of the gillikins the eastern empire of the winkies the southern country of the quadlings and the western domain of the munchkins each forms a triangle in the oblong of oz the emerald city which is the capital is in the exact center where all these triangles meet each of these kingdoms has its own ruler but all four are under the sovereign rule and control of ozma the small but powerful fairy who lives in the emerald city on all sides oz is surrounded by a deadly desert and beyond the desert lie the independent kingdoms of noland lowland ix play ev the dominions of the gnome king and many other strange and important principalities these countries form a narrow rim around the desert and beyond this lies the nonestic ocean itself stretching in all directions and to no one knows what far and undiscovered shores each of the four kingdoms in oz shown on samuel's map was so dotted with smaller kingdoms cities towns villages and the holdings of ancient knights and barons there was scarcely room for another castle with young princes growing up on every hand roger could well sympathize with the need of ozma for more territory won't the ozians have too long a way to come before they reach these new islands and countries we discover inquired the reed bird after staring at the map for some moments in silence not a bit of it samuel dismissed roger's objection with a snap of his fingers i hear the wizard of oz is working on a new fleet of airships that will make crossing the desert and nonestic a real lark and enable new settlers to reach these outlying islands in a day or less so all we have to do is to proceed with our discovering ozma will attend to the rest this volcanic island may not be as useful as some of the others but one can never tell how about picking up a few islands for you atto as we ride along the former pirate dropped his arm affectionately round the shoulders of his royal cook no thanks grunted atto rolling cheerfully to his feet one's enough what would i want with any more islands why i'd never get off on a voyage 
But pick yourself a couple, Sammy, why don't you? Who? Me? Samuel Salt shook his head emphatically. A ship's all I can handle, and I wouldn't trade you two buckets of seawater for all the islands in the Nonestic. One ship and one crew's enough for me. And since you're my crew, you'd better turn in. We've had a hard day and another one coming. I'll take first watch. Cookie here shall have middle, and you, Roger, can be the early bird on morning watch. Oh, hum, I'm right sleepy at that, admitted Atto starting to heap up plates. Give me a lift with the dishes, Roger, will you?" "'Oh, throw em overboard,' directed Samuel Salt recklessly. "'There's plenty more in the hold, and I'm again all extra labor.' "'Hooray!' screamed Roger, seizing the coffee-pot and winging merrily through an open port. "'Avast, avast there, not my coffee-pot,' pleaded Atto making after the reed-bird with surprising speed, considering his tonnage. "'Stop, you great gossoon! How many times must I tell you I'm boss of the galley?' Catching Roger by the leg just as he reached the rail, Atto snatched back his precious coffee-pot and hugged it protectively to his bosom. "'Why, I've just got this contraption broken in proper,' he panted indignantly. "'A coffee-pot's like a pipe!' It's got to be sweetened and seasoned. Heave over the plates and cups if you like, he went on, relenting a bit as he noted the keen disappointment in Roger's face. But save the soup, Turin. I'll wager there's not another that size on the ship, and the captain must have his soup. What a splendid pot of soup this would make, murmured Atto, looking dreamily down at the sea. A bit salty, perhaps, but full of snapper and porgy and tender young sea-shoots. Why, that foam's as near to whipping cream as anything I've ever gazed on." Tearing himself reluctantly from the appetizing sight, the royal cook padded off to put the galley in order for the night, while Roger, with loud squalls of glee, dropped the plates and saucers one by one over the side. In this way the dishes were soon done, the cabin tidy and shipshape and by eight bells the king and the reed-bird were sleeping soundly, and Samuel Salt had the ship to himself. First he made a complete round of all decks, glancing at the barometer and compass, and furled the fore and mizzen topsails. Then he took the cooled piece of lava down to the hold. The strange signs and symbols had hardened, and labeling it carefully with the date and name of Salamander Island, Samuel placed it on his shelves for further study. Then returning to the main deck, he set a portable ship's lantern on a coil of rope, and settled down to fix a hot box for the salamander. Selecting from the material he had brought from the hold an iron box with a glass lid, he covered the bottom with sand and pebbles. Knowing salamanders require hot water as well as hot air, he placed a tiny flat pan of water in the corner of the box to serve as a swimming pool. A burning glass in the daytime and an alcohol lamp under the box at night would supply the necessary heat, and, setting the whole contrivance on an iron tray in the cabin, Samuel went joyfully off to fetch the fire-lizard. The salamander was still in the pot on the back of the stove, and, giving her an experimental poke with his finger, Samuel was astonished to find her quite cool to the touch. This was surprising, considering she could only live in the most intense heat. 
but without stopping to figure it out the captain picked her up between thumb and forefinger carried her to the cabin and popped her into the iron box he had already lighted the lamp under the box so that everything was red-hot and cozy for her the small captive seemed to appreciate her new quarters wriggling over the hot pebbles and sand then splashing gaily in her swimming pool quite a girl sighed the pirate resting his elbows on the table and gazing happily down at the first prize of the voyage you're going to be great company for me sully as if she really understood the lizard gave a squeak and tapped loudly on the glass lid with her tail the pipe almost dropped from samuel's mouth at sally's strange behavior and lifting the lid he peered inquisitively down at her before he had a chance to clap it shut the salamander hurled herself upward landing smartly on the bridge of the pirate's nose from where she slid cleverly into the pipe itself well i'll be scuppered gasped the royal explorer looking slightly cross-eyed down the bridge of his nose as sally coiled up comfortably in the bowl of the pipe the little rascal wants to keep me company and so she shall bless my boots so she shall why this is plumb cute and cozy and something to write in my journal puffing away delightedly samuel stepped out of the cabin and all during his watch the little salamander rested contentedly in his pipe sometimes she peered out inquisitively over the edge but mostly she lay quietly on the smoking tobacco looking with calm interest at the sky and the rippling sails over her head not only did she keep his pipe from going out but never had it drawn so well so filled with a vast wonder and content samuel strode up and down the deck not until midnight when he roused atto could he bear to put sally back in her box and only then after he had promised her another ride in the morning but when morning came samuel had no time to keep his promise for while atto was cooking breakfast and the captain himself catching forty winks in the cabin the raucous voice of the reed bird came whistling down from the foremast land ho land more land island to leeward captain end of chapter four